Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your host Sean. We are missing Alex this week. He is taking a well-deserved break, but we'll be here talking all awesome Chicago sports. Uh, but first, let's get to our sponsor, the Rockford Icehawks. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Icehawks, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. So make sure you head on over to icehogs.com and get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. All right. Last week, we talked about the NFL Draft, and that was awesome. Love the NFL Draft. One of my favorite times of the year. Um, But we pretty much only talked about the NFL Draft. And listen, I'm okay with that because I love football. I love the draft. I love off-season things. I love the games as well. But um, whenever your team is not good, i.e. the Bears, it's really easy to focus on off-season things um, where you're trying to improve your team. So looking at the salary cap, looking at the number of draft picks, look at the players that they bring in. And um, it's just all excitement because at this point, everybody is tied and anybody has the opportunity to win the Super Bowl because the season hasn't started. Uh, So... We neglected baseball last week, and I want to talk a little bit about it. I'm going to start with the Cubs. Um, You know, the Cubs got off to a really nice start to the season, and I think some people got a little too ahead of themselves with with this because, uh, listen, this is a much improved team from last year. That last year team was bad. Um, This team is a much, much better team, but they're not – competing for a World Series at this point. They're they're going to win some games, but as we saw on that last road trip where they just got spanked by the Nationals and the Marlins, that there are flaws to this team. And I think we knew that, is the starting pitching is really good. Uh, they, they've got some players that can hit the baseball, but they lack power as a whole. They lack power, and also they their bullpen is suspect, um, and those things have reared their ugly heads. Um, so fans have been clamoring and clamoring for the Cubs to bring up Matt Mervis, because to them, they've they've deemed Matt Mervis as the savior of this offense, because Matt Mervis was absolutely mashing the baseball all season long in the minors. 
Just basically anything you threw at him, Matt Mervis was mashing. And guess what? You got what you asked for. Matt Mervis came up and for this weekend series. And it seems like he's probably going to stick around. Because that would do a disservice to him if he's not going to play. He should be he should be having at-bats. He's a young player. He needs to grow. Um, but honestly, the, uh, you know, the results have been okay. Um, you know, he's, other than today where I'm recording this Sunday, so it was the 5-4 loss in four extra innings uh, against the Marlins. Uh, Mervis went two for six. But he had been batting about 250. Um, you know, so you've got some strikeouts there. Um, you know, I think he struck out in every single game so far that he's played. A couple games, multiple strikeouts. He's still a young player. Let's let's not put all of our hopes on Matt Mervis. But let's also not, you know, run him out of town. Depending on, on what the game looks like, and if he has a multi-strikeout game or a hitless game, he's a young player. Um, the other player the the Cubs brought up is a player that, honestly, we didn't know where what to expect because of so many injury hit issues. Uh, Miguel Amaya was called up when uh, Jan Gomes went on the the IL for the concussion. So we've had Miguel Amaya, who has just been fun to have on the team. He's not Jan Gomes, but he's he's played fine. Um, you know, he's batting actually a little bit better than Matt Mervis. Um, and you got the, the uh, you know, he was involved in the, the walk-off against the Marlins, comeback walk-off. So that was, a, that was an exciting thing. And he's a fiery young player, and it's nice to see. Um, the other name we keep getting bandied around is Christopher Morrell because he is absolutely killing it down in AAA and should I say over in AAA? It's down as far as league levels, but it's over as far as geographical areas, Iowa, but I digress. Um, Christopher Morrell has been tearing it up and fans have been like, why don't we bring him up? And, and listen. Christopher Morrell is tearing it up. He's a nice young player. We saw some really good things out of him last year, and we saw where he struggled last year as well. Uh, the issue with Christopher Morrell versus Matt Mervis and Miguel Amaya is Amaya came up to fill a hole due to injury. Mervis came up because there was an opening at first base. That's the position he plays. Christopher Morrell is like a super utility guy. And uh, and the issue is, where is he going to play? Is He's played all three outfield spots. And you're really locked in with, say, a Suzuki, Ian Happ, and Cody Ballinger. Cody Ballinger's been playing great. I mean, that defense is impeccable. And offense... Played pretty well, way better than I think that we had hoped. Um, he plays middle infield, but you've got Horner and Dansby Swanson in the middle of the infield. Not going to take one of their spots. Um, 
and he doesn't pitch or catch. You brought up Matt Mervis to play first, and you, you've got Patrick Wisdom at third, and he's your best power hitter. He's struggling with the batting average, but he's, he's leading your team in home runs. So it's there's really no spot for morale, and he needs to be playing every day. Um, you know, the, if you look through all of the numbers that he's putting up in the minors, which are great, and it's great to see him have success. There's one number that he really needs to work on because um, he's striking out 30% of the time, over 30% of the time in Iowa. And if he's striking out over 30% of the time in AAA, that number's going to go way up in, in the majors. And, you know, the Cubs' success has been on putting the ball into play. Uh, you can't just have Kristen Morrell striking out 30, 40, 50% of the time. Um, you know, he's got to go out down to go down, or not go down. He's got to stay down and really work on some things because we know he can, he can hit the baseball. It's just cutting down on those strikeout numbers. Um, but after that bad road trip, you had Miami come back to Chicago and, uh, a little bit of a different situation is the Cubs ended up taking two or three in that series. And, and I want to say it could have been three, three out of three, because it very well could have been, but it could have easily been one out of three because the Cubs came back in that, uh, that second game. And, but they did come back in the third game to tie it up, send it to extras, went 14 innings where the Cubs ended up losing. But, uh, you know, the Cubs have played really well and, you know, this series you saw, Justin Steele continue to look excellent. I mean, he's got to be one, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. I know it's, we're not talking career-wise. We're talking about this season. He's 5-0 and with a 1-4-5 ERA, which is just stellar. Uh, Drew Smiley had another really good outing. And Hayden Wisniewski pitched really well today. Um, so you're getting good quality starting pitching from this team. Uh but it's it's just been the hitting, and they you've got a bunch of guys that are collectively or individually hitting well. It's just as a team you're not producing those into runs, and part of that is just the home run numbers. Uh, I mean, the the Cubs just as a team don't hit a lot of home runs, and you know you get guys on base and they're they're scoring runs a good way. You know, I've I, I bitched in the past, and you've heard me all, if you listen to the show, always complaining how the Cubs in the last couple of years, what a large percent uh, of the Cubs' runs have been by the home run. Because you can't, you can't live and die by the home run. You just can't. You know, you, you've got to hit home runs because that's just, you score quick runs that way. I mean, look at the, the look at that, but the White Sox game yesterday. One home run turns that game around. Uh, but the Cubs, they just don't have a lot of those big boppers. Um, and so you're scoring a lot of small ball runs, which is great. Those are those are really important. You just got to add in some pop. And, you know, weather's starting to get warm now. I'm, ex I'm suspecting, I'm anticipating more home runs to start coming because in those warmer months there's less wind blowing in 
the baseballs go a little further. You you expect more home runs, but they just um, you know you really you really need to get more home runs as if you're gonna if you're gonna be successful. And they they played well, and the guys are individually hitting well. It's just they, you're not getting those home runs. Um, and let's see. Home run leaders for the Cubs. Patrick Wisdom with 11. Ballinger with 7. John Gomes with 5, who's on the injured list. Happ with 4. Uh, Velazquez, who's not even a regular everyday player, with 3. Mancini with 3. Horner with 2. Hosmer, who's probably going to get DFA'd with 2. And Dansby Swanson with 2. So you're really, you're, some of your guys that, you know, Ian Happ, is he a big home run hitter? No, but he does have home run power. Uh, he's not hitting a ton. Corner um, and Swanson are guys that can put up 18 to 20 home runs. Just really not on that pace as of yet. Uh, and Trey Mancini's a guy that we know has home run power. Just has to start getting, getting the, the barrel of the bat on there. And I think you're going to see the problems get better because this team can get guys on base. They can score small ball runs. They just they just need those innings where, you know, instead of driving in one, they're driving in three, four, five with a home run. Um, home run and a small ball. Uh, but, you know, the pitching's been great. Hitting's been good, just not with power. And I mean, that's kind of why you brought Matt Mervis up, because he does have that power, adds another element of power to that game. For the Cubs, this has been the bullpen, and they've been they've had games where, you know, they've come in and closed things down. They've had other games where they just absolutely blow it. And as a whole, you know, that's been the Achilles heel of this team. Um, what else about the Cubs? Uh, you know, they've, they've got a good problem brewing is... Kyle Hendricks is uh, actually doing rehab starts. He's done two rehab starts in in the minors. They haven't been very good, but the positive thing is he's got he's not had any pain, and you know, we'll see how the command starts coming along. But in two game in two games, which is four and a third innings, so they were short games. Uh, he's given up ten runs, so not as crisp and clean as you would like. But if we can get Kyle Hendricks anywhere near the form that we've seen Kyle Hendricks over the years, that would be a big boost to this team. Um, I don't know where exactly he fits in, but you know, it would be a nice problem to have too many good pitchers. Um, and then lastly with the Cubs, you've got... Uh, St. Louis coming to town. Um, it's your first time seeing them this year. And I know, I recognize the Cardinals are not doing it very well. And they're, they're towards the bottom of the standings in the division. But this team will quickly find themselves doing right against the Cubs. I don't know what kind of wizardry and magic and Harry Potter shit this is. They always find a way to do well against the Cubs. And this is coming from, you know, news and... Listen, I don't like to shit on 
ex-players from the Cubs, but when they start start flinging the shit, I'm I'm in this. Wilson Contreras talks so much shit, and he's been sort of demoted. They're taking him off catching duty, making him designated hitter, and they paid this guy, you know, twenty million dollars a year to be the, their next catcher, and they're realizing it's just not working out. And that's why the Cubs moved on. Would you have liked to have those power numbers and that bat in the lineup if you're the Cubs? Yeah, but not at $20 million a season. And you, you, how do you explain to him, hey, we like your bat, but behind the plate, you're not very good. And we're having, our pitchers are having a lot more success with Jan Gomes behind the plate than they are with when you were behind the plate. And that's been the philosophy of the Cubs' new regime, new post-Theo uh, Epstein regime, is that they're trying to move more towards having defensive-minded catchers. Because you're paying these pitchers a lot of money, and starting pitching is, is so vital, you might as well give them every bit of opportunity they have to be the best is by giving them a defensive catcher. You know, even if that means... With the designated hitter, you feel like, okay, well, we get enough offense, even if we have uh, a catcher that's not very good at hitting. And luckily, Jan Gomes has been hitting fairly well. He's second in the, or second or third, third on the team in, in home runs. So, um, you know, to say that we don't really miss Wilson Contreras, um, but we don't. And he's kind of uh, been demoted in St. Louis. So we'll get to see him for the first time in the Cardinals uniform against our Cubs. Uh, but one last thing I guess I want to say about the Cubs is this team has been fun compared to last year or the year before. Because you really are starting to sense the chemistry with this team. Guys are playing really well as a unit. Or you're not last year, and you know you saw just individual guys going up to play or whatever. It's it just this season you just feel a synergy with this team, an energy with them, and I really like that. And I think that they're actually building something pretty special with this this franchise, and. I'm excited to see how it goes. And I, I don't have delusions that this year or they could be a World Series team. You know, they'll be they would be really lucky to make the postseason. Really lucky. I'm not anticipating it, but they're trending way in the right direction. There's a lot of things to like. On the other side of town, uh, a a sports writer called the White Sox the Bermuda Triangle. Lousy hitting, awful pitching, and horrendous D defense. That is a really rough thing to say about an organization. But is it true? It's not not true. This White Sox team has really struggled. The pitching just hasn't been there. Their defense is horrible. And for a team that has a lot of guys that can hit the baseball, they're not really hitting the baseball. It's it's a it's been a really tough situation. Um, 
DFA Jake Diekman, who was one of the holdovers from last season. And, and I'm not saying it's not worth worth DFA because he's been terrible. But this is a guy that your general manager touted as one of your strong bullpen players going into the season. And that's why they didn't add bullpen arms because they had Jake Diekman and he was terrible. So doesn't that reflect poorly on you as the GM? Is if that's that's the kind of things you say, and you know, a month into the season, it's already looking like a like a flop. Um, you moved. You talked about how oh we've got Oscar Colas and he's ready to go, and he came up and started the season and just was not playing very well at all. Got sent back down to AAA. Uh, your injury issues have not subsided. Uh, Tim Anderson, he's hurt. Eloy, out four to six weeks with an appendectomy. Yon Makat is hurt. Jake Berger is hurt. Crochet is still hurt. You've just got a lot of injuries. None of those worked out. I, I recognize Eloy's injury is not something that a trainer could prevent. It's, you know, appendectomy needed. Appendectomy is needed. You can't control that. But he's been a guy that's been hurt a lot in his career, soft tissue type injuries. Um, you know, it's it just it's just really been a struggle. And when you hear these guys talk, they don't sound like they're a good team going through a slump. They sound like a frustrated team that's just going down the tube, and that's that really sucks. Kenny Williams came out was talking about, you know, he's really frustrated. Damn it, Kenny, you're part of the problem. How long have you been here? These problems aren't new problems. You're part of the problem. Don't, if you're, part, if you're somebody that has enough power to be part of the solution and things aren't going well, then guess what? You're part of the problem. And, you know, I'm not in that front office, so I don't know how much is Rick Hahn not being good at his job versus he's handcuffed and sort of has these directives that he has to follow first and foremost and then does the job to the best of his ability within some constraints? Because that's a possibility. Gary could be like, uh, no, we're hiring my drunk friend to be the, the manager. And, you know, I, I recognize he's, he stepped down last year. But, you know, when that situation went down, I, I, we all know that. Tony La Russa was hired by Jerry, and the GM was just saddled with that guy. There's, oh, we, you know, don't really DFA guys because we pay them. We want to squeeze something out of them. There's, there's constraints. I'm sure to his job, but I don't know the where the balance lies of, uh, you know, he's a bad GM versus he's just got some really tight constraints. I don't know. But Kenny has less constraints and has higher up. And he's been a failure too. And Jerry's just absolutely failing as a, a baseball owner. And I agree with the White Sox fans. Sell the team. Sell the damn team. Um, and, uh, you know, the reports are now that Lucas Giolito is, if they are out of things by the trade deadline, which the way they're shaping up, they're going to be. 
Lucas Giolito is going to be on the trade block, and if not, he's not coming back next year. They're they're going to look to part ways. I don't know where they're going to get the starting pitching from. I know you don't want to pay Lucas Giolito because the last couple of years have been not so great compared to the previous couple. Uh, but you gotta have MLB caliber pitchers, and you just don't have a lot in that in that uh, farm system. Um, what else? Uh, as far as good news, you know, today they uh, there was the rubber match against the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and man, did the White Sox come out and open a can of whoop ass? They had an 11 run second inning and just flounced Cincinnati 17 to. Kopech. Kopech didn't pitch a very good game at all, but it didn't matter when you gave up 17 runs. Or you scored 17 runs. And 17 runs on just two home runs. So there was uh, quite a few doubles. Um, and you know, you're filling third base, third baseman uh, Alberto. He had Hanser Alberto. He had a game on him. Four for four with two doubles and a home run, like, that's that's huge. It's a big game, big game for him. Um, Gavin Sheets had a nice game. Uh, you know, guys just came through and hit. Luis Robert went two for two. Vaughn went three for five. Um, Grandal two for four. You got really guys just came out and woke their bats up and won this series. Positive note. Um, also, Tim Anderson is coming back soon, which is going to be nothing but a good thing because he's he's the, the heart and soul of your offense. And finally, after the cancer scare and we didn't know if Liam Hendricks would pitch again or again this season, made his rehab start in the minors and pitched a scoreless inning. And that's phenomenal news. Uh, you know, you don't want to see anybody with cancer him to beat it and then to come back and so quickly and be able to play baseball is just fantastic news. So congratulations to him. And one final baseball note I wanted to make is um Vita Blue passed away. He's a pitcher I really loved watching. Um, you know, a lot of younger fans won't know Vita Blue, but he was a really good baseball player. He passed away uh, yesterday. So rest in peace, by the blue. Um, Bulls, there's really nothing to talk about. You know, it's, the NBA playoffs are still going on. But as far as uh, hockey, we are, I'm recording this on Sunday, like I'd said, but this coming week is the NHL draft lottery. So we'll find out exactly who Connor Bedard is going to be playing for next year. This week, we'll know. Unless somebody does a boneheaded move and decides to pick somebody over Connor Bedard. But I don't think that's the case. I think there's, um, what, 10 teams that can, that can uh, or nine, 9 or 10 teams that are able to move up and get him in the draft, a lottery. So I think all those teams are going to be they're going to be uh, teams that, that take uh, 
Connor Bedard. But we'll find out. And, you know, just a primer. The Blackhawks can go all the way up to number one and to be able to get Connor Bedard, or they could fall down to the fifth position. And that's their best odds are, I think, are, is getting a fourth pick. Just uh, the way the NHL draft lottery is currently working is everybody that didn't make the playoffs is in the lottery for the first pick, but you can only move up. Sorry, they're all in the lottery, but the highest you can move up is 10 spots. So if you have the 12th worst record, you can only move up 10 spots to the number two pick. Can't move up to number one. And although the team with the worst record has, you know, marginal better odds of, of getting Connor Bedard, where they get extra bonus is that any team that is further than 10 spots away from the number one pick, if they were to win that draft lottery, the pick automatically goes to the team with the worst record. So they get those added few percentage points. So essentially the team with the worst record is like 25 and a half percent chance of getting Connor Bedard. And I think the Blackhawks are like 13%. It's not great. It's not the end of the world though. So here's hoping that next week when we talk that we're talking about Connor Bedard. Um, and then I guess I want to wrap this up by talking a little bit of Chicago Bears. We had rookie minicamp this week, and there was a couple of veterans that were invited. Um, like Doug Kramer was invited because he he was a rookie last year, but he got a season-ending injury during early in training camp. So he missed out on all that. So it's an opportunity to him to get in with these, some of the younger players and uh, re-familiarize himself with the Bears coaching staff. Um, but, you know, you've really got a the first opportunity to see all of them in their new uniforms with their numbers and for the beat writers and the uh, you know TV people. To, to talk to the players and get a sense of their personalities. So that's, that's always nice for the rookie mini camp. Um, and the Bears brought in, like I, we talked about last week, a undrafted free agent class that was pretty big um, of, of guys that, you know, you're hoping, you're hoping for, you know, a few folks that come in and actually contribute well. So you're looking at, like somebody like a Jack Sanborn to come in and make the squad naturally compete or um, Josh Blackwell or Jalon Jones, guys that are just undrafted rookies that can come in, make the squad and, and um, you know, contribute as a player. So there's a, there's a few guys on this practice squad that, uh, you know, you're, you're excited about and, and, have the uh the possibility to um you know see see make this roster um so i want to we're we're really early in this but we haven't even had we're a couple months away from from training camp we're like two months away from training camp but um i want to go through 
the roster as it currently stands. We're like, I don't know, a hundred players on this team. And we're going to cut it down eventually to 53 man roster. And then your, your practice squad players. But I want to quickly kind of go through it way early on and, and see how things are stacking up as what projected starting lineup is and who the early projected um, final squad is. So I want to start with special teams because that's going to be pretty easy. Uh, you've got two punters on the squad, Trenton Gill and Ryan Anderson, who they signed. I, I don't know why you'd move on from Trenton Gill. He makes as little money as you can possibly pay him. He was a undrafted rookie free agent, or was no, no, sorry, they they drafted him in the seventh round. Um, so he's just making very little money, and he played pretty well last year. So I expect it to be Trenton Gill. You're only going to keep one punter. Uh, you do have a little bit of a kicking competition. You have Cairo Santos, and then you brought in undrafted rookie Andres Mets. Hopefully I pronounced that name right. His last name is S-Z-M-Y-T. So there's a lot of consonants in a row. Uh, I was not sure how to pronounce that, but I think it's Andre Sismet. Um, And I expect Cairo Santos to win this. I know there's a lot of fans that are talking about Robbie Gould, but I don't see that reunion happening. I wish Robbie the best, but I, I don't see that reunion happening. And then finally, Patrick Scales is our long snapper, and I'm sure that's the one long snapper, and I'm sure he's going to make the roster. Um, offense. Uh, you are, you're probably, I'm guessing, is you might adjust these by, you know, one or two players here or there, but, um, Right now, you have six tight ends on your roster. I expect them to keep three. Um, so Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan, and then those guys are locks. You probably keep one more, um, and it's between Chase Allen, Jake Tonjes, Stephen Carlson, and Damian Caffrey. Um, I'm going to say Chase Allen probably makes that, and you get... But that that's a really wide open competition, I think, after Komet and Tanyan. Quarterback, you've got four quarterbacks on your roster currently. You're only going to keep two. Justin Fields is obvious, and P.J. Walker should be obvious. And then you've got Nathan Peterman and Tyson Badgett. Tyson Badgett was a, a D2 superstar in Division II college football that the Bears signed as an undrafted rookie. Uh, a lot of promising things about him. It's a little weird because he is straight. I mean, he's he's got some athleticism, but he is really a pocket passer. And um, fitting him in with Walker and Fields, um, you know, I, I don't know how that works. You know, building this offense around one guy and kind of then having to switch gears if with another guy if that was uh, necessary. But he's a good story, and I, I wish him well. But it's probably going to be Nathan Peterman as your practice squad quarterback. Um, you currently have five running backs and two fullbacks on the roster, and I think you're going to keep four running backs, one fullback. So your fullbacks, you got Kari Blossom, Game, and Robert Burns. Um, 
I think Blossom Game is going to make the roster. And then your running backs, Khalil Herbert, Tristan Ebner, Travis Homer, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson. Uh, Khalil Herbert was really surprisingly good last year. Not surprisingly, he was, uh, he really showed up. Um, so I expect him to make this roster. Travis Homer was brought in to be a special teams guy. Um, I, I would imagine he's going to, to make the roster. Deontay Foreman was a free agent acquisition. I like the way he runs. I'm sure he's going to make it. And then Roshan Johnson was a draft pick that I really liked. And I would be shocked if he doesn't make the squad. Um, wide receivers. You've got a lot of wide receivers in volume. Um, you're probably going to keep six wide receivers. So it's a lock. Chase Claypool, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney are your three. After that, I think it's going to be Bayless Jones Jr., Tyler Scott, and Equinemius St. Brown with leaving behind uh, off the roster Dante Pettis, Simba Webster, Aaron Crookshank, Doris Fountain, and Joe Reed, and Therik uh, Pitts. And then finally, your offensive line. I think your starting offensive line is going to be Braxton Jones as left tackle, Tevin Jenkins at left guard, Cody Whitehair at center, Nate Davis at right guard, and Darnell Wright at right tackle. I think, barring injury, I would be absolutely shocked if, if that's not the starting rotation or starting offensive line. Um, where it gets interesting is I think this is going to be a wide-open competition for who's the backups. Um, I think you're going to keep nine offensive linemen, so that leaves four reserve guys. So you probably have a swing tackle, um, a guard that could potentially shift out to tackle if necessary, uh, and a guard center player. Um, so I actually chose Alex Leatherwood, Doug Kramer, Jatir Carter, and Larry Borum as your four reserve offensive linemen, which would leave, uh, Nick Amoa, Lucas Patrick, Dieter Iselin, Josh Lug, Bobby Haskins, Gabriel Ahui, Laurent Metz, and Kellen Deach as, uh, you know, off the roster. Um, defense. Let's start with a uh, cornerback. I think you're going to keep six cornerbacks on this team. And right now you've got Kyla Gordon, Jalon Johnson, Tyreek Stevens as your three starters because you're mostly going to be running nickel. So you'll, I'm, I think Kyler Gordon is going to just get kicked into the, the slot corner and let him just run at that one position. And Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevens uh, Stevenson are going to be your outside guys. Um, so it's picking your next three. You've got options of Josh Blackwell, Greg Stroman, Michael Ojemudia, Kendall Vildor, Jalen Jones, and Terrell Smith. Terrell Smith was a draft pick. I think they like him. Um, I think he'll get an opportunity to make this roster. And then... Blackwell played well last year. I think you give him the opportunity. And then it's probably between Kendall Vildor and Jalon Jones. 
Jalen Jones has is younger, makes less money. So I would I'm gonna go with Jalen Jones. Uh, you got four safeties that you're probably gonna keep. So Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, um, and I think it's gonna be Elijah Hicks and Kendall Williamson. I think those will be your four safeties. Um, I'm guessing keep six linebackers. So you're going to keep Tremaine Edmonds, obviously, T.J. Edwards, Jack Sanborn, and Noah Sewell, who is your draft pick. And then you get two other guys, uh, probably Demarcus Gates, Sterling Weatherford, um, I guess, early on. Um, defensive end, you're probably going to keep five. I think it's going to be Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, Demarcus Walker, uh, Jerry Green, and Rasheem Green. And defensive tackles, I think you keep four. And it's going to be Andrew Billings, Justin Jones, Zach Pickens, and Jervon Dexter. And, and speaking of Jervon Dexter, you know, one of my criticisms of him watching the film was there was a lot of times where he had a really, really slow get off of from the snap. And he was actually asked about it during rookie minicamp. And I liked his answer. He talked about how at Florida, he was asked to do different things. And honestly, there's, um, he was sort of mirroring the guard and center, what they did. So he had to, to react rather than just, you know, attack after the draft or after the snap. So I, I think I think they're really going to work on that, and you know you'll probably see a much improved player because it's clear from what the Bears were trying to do is they weren't so much looking at college production because sometimes you could just be a good football player and you know be proficient at a skill and do it in in college and high school and, and be well at it in the NFL. You can't just be a good football player. You also have to be a really good athlete. You need to be fast. You need to be strong because if you're just good at the skill, like, oh, I can run out, run this route really tight and catch a pass. If, if you're, um, you know, somebody that just can't take the beating, you're going to get clobbered out there by, by guys because they're going to try to tear your head off. If you're a linebacker and you're like, you know, I'm really good at diagnosing plays and understanding where what's going to happen and and reading and reacting, but you're just too slow to get to it, who cares? You're not capable of playing. So the Bears really have, have a type. They're looking for really long athletic players. And a lot of these guys like Pickens and uh, Javon Dexter – they're guys that they've identified as, hey, we think we can make them even better pros than they were college players, and they were good college players. We think that we can make them even better pros by taking those athletic traits and putting them in our system. And, you know, kind of looking at it, I think Javon Dexter is going to be your your one technique, your nose. Um. They, they talked about how they were probably going to give both Pickens and uh, Jervon Dexter 
um, split responsibilities between the two or the one and the three technique. I think he's going to be mostly that one technique. And I think Pickens is going to be your, your future three. But as it stands now, Justin Jones is good. And Andrew Billings are probably going to be your starting defensive lineman. Uh, Andrew Billings at your, at your one and Justin Jones, your three technique. And I think that's just, that's going to be the reality there. And Pickens and Dexter are going to be guys that you see improve along the way. And I think when you look at this Bears draft class, you're going to ultimately see uh, several good players come out of this draft. You just may have to have a little patience. Like Tyreek Stevenson, very good football player. Uh, I think you're going to like things you see out of him. But cornerback, I think he's just, he's going to have, they're going to have to shield him a little bit. Um, Luckily, you've got Jalen Johnson, who's very good and also a veteran, and Kyler Gordon, who's now going into his second year. I think I think you can shield Tyreek Stevenson a little bit, but he's going to get a little bit of trial by fire because I think he's going to be starting as a rookie. Um, Noah Sewell's in a nice spot because he he's not going to be asked to, to play every down because you've got three starting linebackers. Um, the two defensive tackles. Pickens and, and Dexter, I think those are guys that in a year, you know, next year and definitely the year after, you're going to see some really good things out of out of those guys. It just, it's I think you're going to see a little bit of hit and miss going for or going through this year with them. Um, on the offensive side, Darnell Wright is just a plug and play guy. You're going to put him on that right tackle spot. And he's just going to be there. He's he's going to dominate that position. Roshan Johnson is a guy who it was asked to do everything at Texas. And I think had he gone to any other school except the school of B. John Robinson, who's probably the best running back we've seen come out of the draft in five or more years. Um, and if it wasn't for playing behind him, I think – I think you would see Roshan Johnson as a second round guy, you know, mid to late second round guy. And that's that's good for running back. That's really good. Um, so I, I like what he can do. I think you're gonna see him contribute early. Tyler Scott's probably not gonna be asked to contribute early. Um he's a small guy, but he's a very Darnell Mooney-ish. And I don't know if it's a he's a they drafted a replacement for Donald Mooney, or if it was just, hey, we saw value there. But uh, Tyler Scott's probably going to take a little time to get acclimated because he's got multiple wide receivers ahead of him. And uh, I think it's going to take some time for him to, to really, uh, I guess, take to the offense and, and shine. Um, most of these snaps are going to go to the veterans. Um, and I'm going to lump Doug Kramer in with the draft class because he was last year's draft pick and he didn't play at all. I went back and watched tape of Doug Kramer. I like Doug Kramer a lot. I think, I think at some point people, when they're like, the Bears screwed up by not drafting John Michael Schmitz, a guy that they've only known for four or five weeks. 
Um, I think you're going to be surprised. Doug Kramer is a good football player. And I think, I think eventually he's going to win this starting center job. Maybe the Bears went, why do we need to draft somebody when we have a stopgap in Cody Whitehair? And we, you know, we feel really good about, um, you know, Doug Kramer. So it's, a, uh, you know, the opportunity is, is, is there for him. Um, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna have to earn his spot because Cody Whitehair is going to be the starting center for this year. And I would be, it would be awesome if for the bears and, and him, if Doug Kramer can win this starting center job, because he's a guy that's young and you got him locked up for several more years, Cody Whitehair, you could make him expendable because, you know, if he, Cody Whitehair doesn't get that, that, uh, center job, you know, Jenkins and Nate Davis are your guards and you're not going to pay Cody Whitehair that much money to uh, end up being a backup. So you can sort of move on from him and save yourself a lot of money in cap space. Let's see. Uh, said, um, Darnell Wright, plug and play. Jervon Dexter, I think you're going to see some good things from him, but he's going to be a guy that it's going to take a little bit to grow. Um, Tyreek Stevenson, I think you're going to see him win that starting spot, but he's going to, I think he's going to take him a little bit, you know, to get used to. You're going to see him rookie, rookie cornerbacks, not named Sauce Gardner, just don't come in and dominate. Um, so you're going to have to see him just gradually improve. Zach Pickens, I think, will be a good player on this team. I think he's going to get steady rotation. Roshan Johnson, he might win that starting running back spot. But if not, he's going to be a regular contributor. Tyler Scott, he's going to be a guy that they're drafting for the future. They're going to develop him. Same thing with Sewell. Uh, I think Terrell Smith is going to make this roster. But um, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get barring an injury. Travis Bell, I think they drafted him in the seventh as a developmental prospect. He's going to be unless he just absolutely comes out swinging during during training camp and the preseason games, I think he's going to be a practice squad player. And Kendall Williamson, the safety, I, I early odds, I think he makes the team as the backup safety. Um, but that's, I think, a wide-open competition. Um. I mean, that's really all I have to say about the Bears. Uh, this is going to be a really cool training camp. Um, this is a, you know, I know there's people out there that are really split on what the Bears have done and what the job Ryan Poles is doing. But I'm going to tell you why I like it. You know, he didn't draft guys that we all knew. Um, he really has a, an eye for a certain type of player. And that's what he went and got. So, uh, you know, that was better or worse. He has a guy in, in a system that he wants them to go in, and he sees a trait that he thinks that he can turn into something good. Um, but he, he's picked players that I think uh, have really good upside. And I haven't seen him you know, just absolutely whiff on, on players. 
Um, it's early. But free agency, he did go out and spend stupid money on players that uh, overvalued because, you know, it's a really tight balance to walk of signing players to make you better but not getting in financial cap hell. Like our friends from the North, Green Bay Packers, if you notice, they didn't really do anything in free agency because they couldn't. They're so handcuffed with salary cap issues that they couldn't. They're going to be able to sign this draft class, and then that's about it. Um, the Bears are this year have really good cap space. Next year, they have really good cap space and room to make it more. I mean, you could easily cut an Eddie Jackson and, and a Cody Whitehair and, uh, you know, collect that cap space. Um, but the I, I like what he's doing, and he's not just – he's getting better at the starting positions, but he's also building depth. Is all of our defensive linemen from last year, except for one, are gone? And like his interior defensive linemen. And you're going to have a whole new class. You're churning it over. You're infusing talent. Is the defensive line where they want it to be? Probably not. You probably want to go and get another edge rusher. And I would expect that to happen. Uh, the, you know, like, the, was it two days after the draft? you can start signing players again and they don't count towards the formula for compensatory picks. So look for the bears to, to probably bring in a defensive edge veteran uh, for that competition. But, um, you know, look at, look at what the bears are doing on the corner and the defensive backs. They've infused talent, but they've brought in new depth. So you drafted a couple of corners, one you expect to start, another one you expect to be a backup and improve on what you had last year. Uh, your safeties, um, you know, you had your starters, you brought in some some uh, guys that could be a backup. Linebacker, you brought in free agent players, but you also drafted players, so you have guys behind them. You know, there's there's people out there that are like, we spent a, we drafted a guy in a fifth round or whatever, and Noah Sewell was a fourth round or fifth round. Uh, we drafted Noah Sewell, and and he's where's he going to play? He's not going to play as a starter. Yeah, but you've got to build depth, and that's been a huge problem the Bears have had over the years, the last few years. That they just had no depth. If somebody gets hurt, that becomes a huge weakness. You've got to have some sort of decent depth and that's that's partly what polls is doing is you've got to get you've got to get more blue chip talent as on the starters but you also need to build depth in the back end and then that's what i see brian polls doing and, and i'm happy for that um i don't really have much else to say it's a little bit slow this time of year but uh we'll have alex back next week and we'll be talking about Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, Connor Bedard as a Chicago Blackhawk. And I know it's not the draft yet, but it is the draft lottery. And whoever gets that number one spot, you know they're going for Connor Bedard. So hopefully next week we're talking about Connor Bedard as a, as a Blackhawk.
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. It's how to grow the show. Follow us on social media, facebook.com, sports, sportsworskysports.com. Um, and shy pan fan pat two for alex on twitter or alexander creative.com for all the cool stuff that alex does and again thank you guys so much for listening and until next time bear down Cubs win what a lucky break the good lord wants the Cubs to win we thank dick and god for all they have provided Cubs win Cubs win Oh, I don't want her, you can have her, she's a Packer fan, she can't fit in my van, and she looks like number New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on planes. Bears, 31, the negative 7. The Bears, oh when the Bears go bearing down.